Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on a beautiful Friday morning in Queen City, Texas, in the studio where if you live anywhere in the region of Atlanta, Queen City, Texas, we'd love to have you every Friday morning with your Bibles, pads, papers, pencils. Uh, we'll just uh, study the Word of God together. Glad uh, that we've got Kathy with us this morning all the way from the other side of Shreveport and uh, just always love to have her and and uh, Robin had to go back to school today, so she's not here. And uh, But we are looking forward to seeing this Bible study on Friday mornings grow. You don't have to be a member of Crossway Church to come. If you live anywhere near uh, this place, uh, which is right beside the dollar store here in Queen City, we'd love to have you bring you coffee and come on in every Friday morning. Uh, we also teach uh, the book of Romans. Presently, we're in chapter 10. Uh, you can join us live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page or the Spreaker app on your phone. My channel is uh, for those who have ears to hear or you can type my name in and listen to the audio live or you can listen to the audio after the fact. But we're working on the YouTube thing. It's, uh, it's uh, something going on with that right now. I think it's probably on our end, but we'll get it back up and going. I'll post these later. I'll upload them to the YouTube channel so everybody can hear them in that avenue. But the website is thecrosswaychurch.com. Everything we do here also gets uploaded to that website, not just the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. Uh, but... Uh, just want to encourage you today uh, to help us put uh, the expositor study Bibles into the hands of the inmates who are requesting them. They send us letters each and every week. We have a pile right now about that thick of letters in which we are sending seven a week. Uh, to them. It takes $37 a Bible. So I encourage you to pray about helping us do that. You can do that. You can donate at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text your giving to 903-231-5950 and just be a blessing. Help us get uh, the entire Expositor Study Bible, not the New Testament edition, the entire Expositor Study Bible edition into the hands of an inmate. So I pray that you'd help us do that. One last thing I'd like to announce today, and I will be doing it periodically uh, throughout the year, uh, but we are going to have our seventh determined camp meeting in Dublin, Georgia this year at Crossway Ministries there. Pastor Scotty Williams is the pastor. It's going to be a great time in the Lord. You won't ever attend a camp meeting like this. Uh, it is one of a kind where uh, these ministers that will show up there to preach God's Word have stepped into the place where they have determined, as the Apostle Paul did, to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I guarantee it, God will speak to you. God will do something to you. God will do something for you. And you will be blessed. And the dates are October the 22nd through the 25th. You don't want to miss that. It's, it, it, it'd be well if you hadn't decided where you're going on your vacation this year. If you are going, that's going to have to be the place this year. Because I'm telling you, it is a mighty powerful thing, these determined camp meetings. And you will be blessed beyond what you could have ever imagined. When you get in a group of people who have like precious faith, who are literally striving together for the faith of the gospel, you will experience what you probably won't experience to that degree in that way any other place when there's a unity like that in that faith God will move mightily. And don't forget it. Again, it's October the 22nd through the 25th and you want to be a part of it. Uh, this morning, we're going to begin in the fifth chapter of 1 Timothy. This is session one here on the 15th day of uh, May 2020. And I like to throw that in so we'll know where we are when we're teaching these sessions. And uh, these sessions we're having, they could be used in any classroom setting. They go verse by verse through the entirety of the chapter. And uh, we, we are led of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God will always point us to Christ, how the Scriptures pertain to Him, and what He did at Calvary, how they apply to us today. And uh, so I'm always excited to be sharing God's Word. What we're sharing today from chapter 5 
in 1 Timothy, I'll have to admit it, it's not my favorite part of the Bible. <laughs> but it is an important part of the Bible because all of God's Word is beneficial to us for our instruction in righteousness, the rebuke, the correction, the, the, the instruction that we need unto the righteous fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us not forget that as we get into this. And just because it doesn't sound that interesting to you, uh, maybe we need to ask the Lord this morning to help it become interesting to us because what we're about to study today is something that's not talked about very much. And when it is, it's not talked about properly. Uh, and we need to look at the Scriptures and how the Scriptures uh, speak uh, to the situation of being widows in the church. And Paul does that. And, and, and how we treat elders and how we treat the younger and how we treat the elders who are the elder leaders. And I'm not talking about just older, although that too, but the elder board, those positional people who were there, not the deacons, who are there to serve and take care of the physical needs of the people, but the elders, those who are in leading positions, the elder board in the church, those that surround the pastor and his, his uh, pastoral uh, leadership as the head elder. There's a board of elders, and we'll get into that later. But these things are important, especially in our day and time when the leadership is all out of whack, it's out of order, it's not according to the Bible, and typically the deacons run the church and the pastor and that's just totally outside of the perimeters of God's Word. And we need to get uh, back to the, the, God's Word. And those churches that do, even though people get their feelings hurt, if they'll stick with the pattern of God's Word that He's given us, then there will be the blessing of the Lord that comes through the pattern the Lord gives us. Now, uh, we can go whichever way we choose to go. But the blessing of the Lord comes with the pattern of the Lord that we see written in the Word of the Lord. Amen? So let's ask the Lord this morning to give us what we need. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to share your Word today. And I pray that you would engraft, impart your Word into our hearts today. The things that we consider, Lord, in your Word least desirable to hear. I pray, Lord, such as this section of Scripture, that you would pour into our hearts today the knowledge and the wisdom we need that we might be able to use what you give us today in the days ahead in the proper way and we just might be in the right pattern Lord that the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ would be what is manifest and not our thoughts and our ways but your ways we ask you for the light of your word to be imparted into our hearts today bless those that are watching online and we just pray God for whatever they need today whatever we have need of today you will intervene as that one who is sufficient in all things with all grace to bless us with those things that we need today. We praise you for the miraculous hands of Jesus in the midst of your people today. And we thank you for what you'll impart during this one hour session. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 1, the Bible says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brothers. So we'll talk about that for a couple of minutes. And the Bible here says, Rebuke not an elder. First of all, before we talk about rebuke, we'll talk about the word elder. Here it does refer to the older men because of what Paul goes on to say, and the younger men as brothers. So he is talking about elder men, older men. But if you scroll all the way down uh, to verse uh, 19, uh, you'll see... Uh now, I mean verse 17 rather. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And we'll talk a little bit today about that word honor as well. That word honor brings with it uh, the meaning of blessing with finances, blessing with uh, provision for what? Uh, for being an elder. Not just an older person, but here elders also speaks of that pastoral leadership role of a head elder, the pastor, or that elder board of leaders that help lead and guide that body of believers. And we'll see that today. So the word elder really has a, a double meaning. The, the older men and the men who are the elder leaders of that church. And we'll see that more so. We'll get into that. But, but 
In verse 1 of chapter 5, he said, Rebuke not an elder. And, 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 and if you look down again, all the way down, and you have to do this, you have to rightly divide the Word of God. You can't just take one verse and pound away at it without other scriptures coming in to help you understand what you're actually reading. And, and, you, and we need to learn to do that. He says in verse 19, Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Now think about that. Uh, the, the, the body of Christ here is told not to receive uh, an accusation against an elder uh, but before two or three witnesses. When, when I get ready to bring an accusation against an elder, uh, a pastoral role, a, a leadership role elder in a church, uh, an elder who's on the board of elders, governing board of elders of a local church, before, when I bring an accusation, I've got to bring two or three witnesses that believe that accusation is right. I can't just bring an accusation against uh, uh, an elder all by myself. The Bible is against that. That means God is against that. I, if, if I'm going to wait around till after church to bring an accusation against the preacher, then I better have two or three witnesses with me. If I'm going to call a, uh, an elder, whether it's the pastor or his elder board of governing leaders in that church, I better have two or three witnesses with me uh, because God says my accusation without two or three witnesses not going to be listened to, not going to be uh, taking place, shouldn't take place. So we need to remember that in verse 19 again, against an elder, don't receive an accusation unless there's two or three witnesses present. Amen. So we need to just follow the pattern of the Bible. So we're told to not to rebuke an elder. If I have an issue with an elder, a leader of the church, and that's not the deacons. The deacons are not the governing board of a church. The deacons are to serve the people's natural, physical needs. That's what you find in the Bible, which is our pattern. Hallelujah. Uh, it's not what it is. It shouldn't be the way it is today in most churches where the deacons are the governing board uh, uh, and even govern the pastor. That's not biblical. It's out of order, and that's why... Now, there's so many problems there that don't need to be. I know people say, well, there's problems everywhere. Yeah, but where God's pattern is, mark my words, there's less patterns. I'm sorry, less problems than where we're going outside of His perimeters for the local church to be governed and to function. And that's really what Paul's writing to Timothy in the church in Ephesus and to us here about is that we would learn how to be governed, led by the Holy Spirit. Because what Paul writes here is words of instruction. And really he'll use the word charge in a moment. We'll get to that. That word means command. Uh, and the purpose is, we'll see it, that we be blameless. That we go according to the Word of God, that we, we, that we be blameless. That doesn't mean perfect. That just means if we're going along to God, uh, with God's pattern uh, according to His Word, then they're, they're, the, the rebukes are not going to be listened to. Blameless means unrebukable. There can't be a rebuke against us if we're going according to God's Word. Now if you do, there's going to be rebukes that come, but they're not going to be legitimate. There's a lot of rebuke today coming from those who are the ones that really need to be rebuked toward those that are going according, functioning according to the pattern of God's Word for the New Testament church. I mean, just one example that comes to my mind immediately is churches who don't allow speaking in tongues in their church. Well, uh, that's, they're outside the pattern of the functioning local assembly because Paul gives the instruction for when tongues take place and the interpretations and there's instruction for order in that. But when we uh, go against God's Word... Uh, which tells us not to, to despise the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we do despise it to a, po to a point that we won't even allow it where we're operating outside the perimeters, and uh, the rebuke often comes from them to us who are attempting uh, to be led of the Spirit to operate according to the pattern of God's Word. So you have to be careful with all that. And when you bring two or three witnesses and you're rebuked to an elder... Uh, what you better have is Scripture to back up 
what your rebuke is. Not that you just don't like something. Man, my Lord, we all got something we don't like, but we got to bring Scripture or our rebuke is just fleshly. It's sensual, and the Bible calls that devilish unless we have Scripture to back it up. And most of the time, that's not going to be the case. Uh, and, and, and let me say something to the ministers this morning. Preach the gospel, and you'll be rebuked less by the people. You're always going to have somebody who wants to rebuke you, but if you'll let everything else alone and preach the gospel, then their rebuke is not going to be legitimate before the Lord because that's going to be your, your, you're involved in your mission. Now, when you get tangled up in all these other ideals and opinions, yeah, you're going to be rebukable for it because now we're just preaching opinions and our own choosing of what we want to be in this avenue and that avenue. Just preach the words, what the Bible says. So, rebuke not an elder. And, and, and listen, that doesn't mean that elders are unapproachable. That means that you're not to approach them with a rebuke unless you have two or three witnesses with you. You can approach a pastor. You better be able to. If you can't, you need to find you one you can. You, you can approach a pastor or a leading elder in the church uh, with questions and, and the right attitude. You, anybody has a right, according to the Bible, to approach a pastor. Uh, Jesus was approachable and asked questions, and he wanted to be asked questions. And, and there were those who asked questions with a heart that wanted to learn, and there were those who asked questions trying to trick him and, and really bring a rebuke to him. So, you know, you can approach pastors. If you have a pastor that's unapproachable for the sake of the anointing and all that crazy, unbiblical stuff, then, my friends, uh, you better find you one you can approach and question because there's no need in any person attending a worship service uh, that, that, that has to go home after the service with questions in their minds. We need to be able to ask a pastor or an associate pastor or one of the elders or one of the leaders in the church, what did pastor mean by that in his message? Can you help me understand that? And we, we better be able to do that because that's part of the way we grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm just telling you uh, uh, what the Bible teaches today. So, And the reason Paul wrote all this to Timothy even this what we're going to look at today about uh, how we treat widows and what makes them legitimate widows and what keeps them from being a legitimate widow is so uh, really so we could be without rebuke. We could live blameless uh, according to the order and the, the God's Word, the pattern of God's Word because when we are, guess who we're expressing? Christ. Not just this group of people and their thoughts and their values, but we value the pattern of God's Word for the church and therefore honoring that expresses Him. No matter who's bringing a rebuke, if you're going according to the Word of God, then the rebukes are illegitimate and you're honoring the Lord by honoring the Lord's Word. Amen, Brother Curtis. So we need to always remember that. So when, when Paul tells Timothy uh, to, in, in the church there and us as well not to rebuke an elder, that just means don't upbraid an elder. Don't go against an elder. Uh, go to the elder. You want to know something. Why are you doing that? It doesn't appear to be right. And, and uh, you have questions. They're legitimate. Go and ask. But don't bring a rebuke. Don't, 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 don't approach a pastor or a governing leader with a, a rebuke and a reprimand unless you bring two or three witnesses and the Scripture because really the two or three witnesses have to have the Word to back them up as to what they're rebuking, as to why they're rebuking. So, hope you're alright with that today. But... Uh, entreat, which really means treat, and, and that word entreat means to call upon and to exhort. Uh, to the, the, we're, we're to exhort and call upon the elders uh, as a father. Uh, and I'm not talking about a priestly father. I'm talking about the older in age men as fathers. Uh, we're to exhort them, encourage them, and, uh, and honor them. And, uh, and the younger men as brothers. And here he says in verse 2, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Now I want to say something about that today, especially to the men, uh, because men are the leaders 
of their house. Men are the leaders of the church. Men have the leading role. And that's just the way it is in the Bible. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I didn't make myself a man. God did. And he didn't make whoever the women are. I mean, you didn't make yourself a woman. God made us who we are, men and women. And God chose the order of leadership. It's God, Christ, man, woman. God, Christ, husband, wife. I know the world and a lot of the church today doesn't like that, but that is the pattern. That is the pattern that God blesses. And outside of that, disorder and disarray and many, many problems come because we refuse just to go God. God's way according to God's word. Hallelujah. But if the men would look at the older women in the church as mothers in the Lord, treat them as mothers, honor them as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity, if we would see them that way, a lot of the thoughts that we shouldn't be having wouldn't be there. See, this is where our minds need to go when we uh, uh, look at a woman in maybe the wrong way that we shouldn't be looking at a woman. Well, she's a mother in the body of Christ to me. Well, those young, pretty girls, guess what? They're my young sisters in the Lord. That is the purity of living as the family of God, functioning together as the family of God, that we see all as our older brothers, younger brothers, older sisters, uh, mothers in the Lord, and sisters in the Lord, that, that, that everybody's brother and sister, we need to keep that in our mindset. And a lot of times, uh, if our faith is not in the cross of Christ, there will be no power of the Holy Spirit that will direct us uh, and keep us when our minds go places they shouldn't be going. And somebody said, Amen. I'm glad he's just being honest today. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us the Word and the Holy Spirit is the one who keeps us according to the Word if we keep our faith in Jesus and what He did at Calvary. Outside of that, my friend, there's going to be some things going on in your mind that, that instead of taking those thoughts that come, you couldn't stop them from coming. But when they came, instead of knowing, instead of taking them to the obedience of Christ at Calvary, they're going to take you somewhere you don't want to go. And no matter what you're looking at in the Word, no matter what you're seeing, if that Word doesn't cause you to look to Calvary where the Holy Spirit can show you the truth of that and keep you in the power of the truth of that, then my friend, it, it, let me say it again, if you don't take those thoughts that everybody has in their minds, everybody, everybody, nobody's excluded thoughts come into your head that you didn't invite, you didn't bring, but you have an opportunity as a child of God to take them to the cross. That's the obedience of Christ through His death at Calvary. And if you don't choose to go to the cross with your faith in Jesus and what He there did so the Holy Spirit can redirect your mind and your, 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 your thinking becomes sober again according to Romans 12, 3, according to that measure of faith you've been given. Let me tell you something son, if you don't learn to do that, if you don't learn to function in that, to fight that good fight of faith, to keep your faith in the sacrifice of Christ, those thoughts are going to take you places you don't want to go and they're going to keep you there and tie you up and whip you and make you look pitiful before others until you learn to take your thoughts to the captivity of the obedience of Jesus Christ. And I'm just trying to help you today. The only way you're going to be able to look at, uh, and this goes, this goes for women too. To the way you look at men in the church, the young men, the older men, you, I don't care. You ain't no, nobody's excluded from thoughts coming into our head that we don't want that really tries to fight against the purity that we're called to walk in. Amen. Yeah, you, you have thoughts all the time you didn't ask for. You Where'd that come from? You saw something and all of a sudden these picture shows started coming in your mind. You, you had a thought from the past and these picture, this movie started in your mind. Well, you better take all that to the cross. If It's the only place they can, that they can, can be put where they belong. And if you don't, I can't say this enough, they're going to take you to a place you really don't belong. And I'd rather take the thoughts... 
to Christ so He can put them where they belong than my thoughts carrying me to a place where I don't belong. Boy, somebody's going to get a hold of that today because it's the elder women we're to treat as mothers, the younger as sisters, and, and, and uh, with all purity. Purity. The way we look at everybody. In purity. This is my family. This is my family. Amen. You, listen, there's things you wouldn't do with your own sister and mother. Well, that, the, listen, the body of Christ is a blood-bought church. I mean, you're, you have a natural family according to the bloodline that you're in, but this blood of Jesus that was shed for you brought you into a family that's closer and eternal than, than anything you know on the earth. So we need to begin to see uh, all the people, the men and the women in the body of Christ, and look at them the way we should as who we really are related to them and them to us. I'm trying to help you today. I hope you, that's what Paul was trying to do here with all this. And he says, and now he gets into this, uh, this uh, topic on elders. And, and this is going to be really good and, and really important today because of the misconceptions and the, and, the, and the things that the church, ways that people try to abuse the church. And, and in different areas. And we're going to see some of that today. But he says in verse 3, Honor widows that are widows indeed. The reason he says that is because not everybody that is a woman who's, who, who's lost a husband is a widow. And then Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, led of the Lord, begins to lay out the prerequisites, if you will, the requirements in God's eyes for a woman to be a widow. And outside of these guidelines, she's not a widow. That She may be a widow, but she's not a widow that the church is, is obligated to take care of. And we'll see that. And the word honor here, honor the widows that are widows indeed, is the same exact word used down further in this same chapter when it talks about honor the elders with double honor. When the word honor in this chapter is used with, uh, in the type of provision. Provision, taken care of, like the pastor uh, gets uh, taken care of, his provisions, whether the church has agreed to give him a, a, some type of income or a house to live in without payment, his bills, whatever, that local assembly, uh, the, the, that's, that's what the word honor means here, not just the way we respect and treat them, but this word honor brings with it, you look it up, I hope you do, and I hope it's helping you, when you look it up and you find that what I'm telling you is right, you'll really be blessed that the word honor brings with it, again, more than the way I treat and respect, but it brings with it that provision for being a widow indeed. Uh, uh, the provision for being a pastor indeed a pastor called of God and set by God in the local assembly. Uh, an elder, a governing elder in the church set in the body of Christ. Honor them. That, that word speaks of with provision for them. Not just how are you doing, God bless you, I honor you, I honor you, I respect what you say. The word honor here speaks of provision. That's why the Apostle Paul has to make sure the church knows what causes a, a widow to be a widow indeed in the eyes of God. Not just someone who lost a husband, but he lays out the prerequisites again, if you will, the requirements for the church to be obligated to honor to take care of with provision a widow. Everybody good this morning? I hope you are. Uh, this is not, again, not the most popular thing that everybody wants to hear, but it is something we need to know because the church is being abused in, in lots of ways. Uh, you know, I, there are people that that drive around on Sunday morning. They, I'm not being ugly, but I know about two or three people that they, they drop in the church occasionally. They've got their worst clothes on. They bring little kids ragged out in dirty clothes, and they, they, they don't want to come for a worship service. They're at the church, 
in the church building, in the sanctuary, before the worship service ever really starts, and they're in, you know they're wanting financial help, and and if 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 you if you don't give it to them, they just leave. Even if you promise to give it to them, if they'll just stay during the worship service for an hour and a half, two hours, when it's over, we'll bless you, we'll help you. Uh, uh, and 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 but they won't stay. They won't stay. And I, I mean, I'm talking about what I'm what we've experienced here over the last few years. They won't stay. And then when you watch them, they'll leave, and they they'll just go right down the road to the next church. Listen. The church is not here to take care of everybody that comes along. I'm sorry. The church has been being... There's nothing wrong with the church helping anybody. God leads them to help. But if the church helped everybody, we've had people call the church, are y'all buying uh, school supplies? Or do y'all pay electric bills? And People that don't even go to church, they don't want nothing to do with the Lord. They don't want nothing to do with being in a, a planet in the house of the Lord, but they expect the church to pay their bills. You don't have to do that, preacher. If the Lord lays it on your heart and you want to help somebody, and He has done that for us many times. We've helped people before in all sorts of areas financially. But you have to, you have to pay attention. You have to have discernment. Because there are those in the body of Christ who are, uh, I'm talking about, among the body of Christ who are really just con people. They're there to con. They're, they're there for what they can get. They're on social media, man, and they're conservative to the bone on social media, but then they come to the house of God and, and they're liberals in church. <laughs> oh, I don't... No, they're not liberal with their giving the way the Bible called them, but they're what the word... In this liberal attitude, like I just go to church and let everybody else pay for everything. I, I don't even give. You know, I don't give. I, I'm just there and, you know, and I'm just, I just come for the blessing. I'm not part of what allows the blessing to take place. You know, boy, I'm on social media, man, and I'm hammering all the liberals, but when I come to church, I act like just like one of the ones I'm hammering. Uh-oh. Somebody's mad about four or five people done turn Brother Curtis off. That's all right. That's just what's real. So he says here, and he begins to lay out the criteria for being a widow because a woman is not a widow indeed for the church to honor with provision without these requirements we're about to look at today. And I know that might hurt a lot of people's feelings, but that's what happens when we're trying to operate outside the pattern and the will of God, which is always according to the Word of God, we get our feelings hurt because we're in the flesh. So he says in verse 3, Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requit, which means to repay their parents, for that is good and acceptable before the Lord. Now what verse 4 is talking about, I hope you'd search it out. I hope you will, because if you do, you'll find the same thing I found, that it's God's will when a woman, uh, when her husband passes away, her family is responsible for her. Not the state, not the government, according to God's Word, not even the church, but her family first. And when the Bible here says, if any widow have children or nephews, and when you look the word nephews up, it doesn't really mean what it means to us as a nephew or brother or sister's kid. It means grandchild. That's what it means. I encourage you, as I always do, look it up for yourself. You'll see I'm telling you the truth. And... If any widow have children or grandchildren, let them learn first to show piety at home, to show that their faith in God is really real, that they're not just big blowhards. They're not just people who go to church, but they're first required to take care of that mama, that grandmama. Again, not the state, not the government. Thank God for America and the things that our government is able to do because of God's prosperity upon this nation. But listen, according to the pattern of God, which is God's Word, 
the children and the grandchildren are to take care of that mama, that grandmama who lost her husband. That is in the Bible. That is what we are to go by. Amen, Brother Curtis. I hear it, but I don't like it. Well, I'm sorry. It's God's Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. <clears throat> Everybody all right this morning? I'll take a drink while you think about it. After every, after every teaching session on Friday morning, uh, after the camera goes off to everybody that's in the classroom, I always say, questions, comments, or rock chunking? Which one? <laughs> because folks have questions, folks have comments, and some folks just want to hit you in the head with a rock on the way out the door. But this ain't nothing but Bible, my friend. And so we need to stick with God's Word because this says that this is good and acceptable before God. <clears throat> what is that the children and the grandchildren make the necessary provision for the for the wit for their mother or grandmother to keep living the provision first and foremost must come from those who are family to show their piety that means their godliness that means they have an opportunity now to manifest their faith in this area to magnify Christ and to glorify God because that can't be done outside the pattern of God's Word. And everybody said, Amen. So, if any widow have children or grandchildren, Amen. Now, some women lose their husband and there are no children. And if there are no children, then there, of course, are no grandchildren. Uh, but it says... Let them learn first to show piety at home and to repay. That's what the word requit means, to repay their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Can I tell you this morning that according to God's word, the children and the grandchildren owe the parents. We owe the parents. God used them to bring us into this life to raise us, that is, those of us who have had godly parents, those of us who have had Christian parents, who uh, brought us up in the things of the Lord, brought us up, put food on the table, brought us up, put clothes on us, and, and, and raised us. We, we owe them. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what, how you wish things would have been. You owe them. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Verse 5 says, Now she that is a widow indeed, and Paul keeps saying, not just a widow, not just a woman who's lost a husband, but a widow indeed. There are widows and there are widows indeed. The widows indeed are those the, the church sees, according to God's word, as a widow that, that is supposed to be taken care of by the church if the family cannot take care of it, not if they just choose not to, if the family can't take it, well, I guess the church would be required to if, the, if their family refused to because they, as we get down further, we'll see, and boy, folk really don't like this, where Paul says here, if you don't take care, if you don't provide for those and for those in your immediate family, then you're denying the faith Wow. Oh, you got a form. You got a hallelujah and thank you, Jesus, but you're refusing to take care of that widow, that grandmother, that mama, but you still got this old lively show. The Bible says because you refuse to take care of those in your own house that you're denying the faith. And it doesn't say that you're like an infidel. It says that you're worse than an infidel. The word infidel means unbeliever. We'll get to that in a minute. But here, she that is a widow indeed and desolate, that means she is alone. She has no husband. She's desolate. Number one, she trusts in God. I'm not talking about, let me say this before we go any further and I'm sure I'll say it again. When a woman loses her husband, she don't get in the Word and find out what all I got to do now to be considered a widow uh, uh, by God or by the church now seen as a widow by the... Uh-uh, it don't work that way. The widow indeed has been functioning and is known for what we're about to read. You need to get that. You don't start functioning in a way to get 
provision. It's like being a deacon. You don't come to church and, and, and they're going uh, uh, to uh, you know, pick deacons. They're going to pick deacons pretty soon. And, and you, don't, you don't, oh, I better start doing all. No, deacons are already deaconing. Servants are already serving. Uh, wi- true widows indeed, before they even become a widow, they got this criteria going on in their lives we're about to read right here. They're known for it. It ain't something they start doing because now they've lost their husband. It's something they were known for even when they had a husband. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. That's where the conning takes place. Well, uh, you know, the Bible says, I got to do this, I got to do that to be a true widow indeed. No, if you just now try to start doing all these things, you're not a widow indeed according to the Bible. These are things you have to already be known for. And we'll see that in the Bible. Everybody good this morning? Amen. I'm good. I'm good whether you are or not because it's God's Word. But So let's read verse 5 again. Now, she that is a widow, indeed a widow, and, and desolate, that means she's alone. She can't provide now. Her husband died. He was providing. She trusts in God and continues. See that? She doesn't just all of a sudden start. She continues in supplication and prayers night and day. She's known as a woman of prayer. She's known as a woman of prayer. She's known for it. She's already, she continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that lives in pleasure, and that word's talking about indulgence. Her husband dies, so now she moves into a a place of indulgence. Let's look at that, and that's exactly what that word means. Is dead while she lives. That means now she's, she's spiritually dead while she's living. She's not living according to the faith anymore. And Paul says, and these things give in charge, that means as a commandment, that they may be blameless. You get that? God doesn't command us to do anything just because He's a commanding God. God, God's Word is a book full of commandments for us to live according to so that we can be blessed and blameless. And again, blameless here, please look it up for yourself. (coughs) It means unrebukable. Unrebukable. Blameless is unrebukable. Well, why are you doing that? Well, because God's Word says to do that. Well, Well, you can't rebuke that. If you do, then you're the one that needs to be rebuked for rebuking somebody living according to the Word of God. Hope I'm helping you today. These things give in charge that they, and that means command, that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own and specifically for those of his own house. So there's two different things mentioned there. If any provide not for his own and specifically for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Do you see that? That's scary right there. That's scary. Because a lot of folks refuse to take care in some way, form, or fashion. I'm not doing nothing for her. I, I, I'm, she, I know she's my mama, and I know she hadn't got a husband. I know she hadn't. I'm not taking care of her. I want you to know that's sinful. The Bible says, and catch this, in the very act of that which is wrong, I'm denying the faith. So what we learn here in this is that I can deny the faith even though I'm saying all this stuff about Jesus and what He did at Calvary. I'm denying the faith if I'm not operating. Let me say it again. Operating according to the Word of God because those who are living by faith are living according to God's Word. And when we hear God's Word and we see God's Word and we begin to attempt to function in God's Word and then something, some situation happens and we refuse to function according to God's Word, we're denying the very faith we claim we're walking in. And the Bible says that if we don't take care of those specifically of our own house, we're denying the faith and we're worse than an unbeliever walking in a place. I didn't say you lose your soul, but you're denying the faith. 
and you're walking in a place that's worse than somebody who's on their way to hell. Think about that. Now, we're just putting it out as it's real because it's really the Word of God. So he says here, he begins to give a little bit more requirements for these women who've lost a husband to be a legitimate widow among the believers of a church. Verse 9, Let not a widow be taken into the number, that means put on the list of widows, uh, to be honored, to be provided for among the church under three score years old. That means under 60, they're, they're disqualified. If you're under 60, you're disqualified to, for being a widow that the church is required by God to give provision to to make sure you live. If you're under 60, you're disqualified. It's right here in the Bible. See, I got, you know, it's things we've never heard because we haven't given much time to, but it says right here, let not a widow be taken into the number classified as a widow indeed, under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. It doesn't matter if she was uh, serving God with a godly husband and he died, and, and if she married another godly man and they served God, when he dies, she's, she can't be a widow in, in, in the church because here it's been the wife of one husband. Not unless she's been the wife of one husband. Amen. Now, I know people disagree, but you can disagree. But you'll have to study the Word for yourself. Uh, I mean, when Paul gives the requirements also uh, in these letters to Timothy for uh, the requirements to be pastor, pastor, pastors, uh, elder leaders in the church, uh, and all those things... Uh, positions in the church, he, he, when he says you can't have but one wife, he doesn't put it in the way that you can't ever have had more than one wife. He says you can't have more than one wife. That's right now because in that day, men were married to multiple women. And to be disqualified from that position of authority in the church, that role of a, a pastor or an elder leader in the church, you couldn't have but one wife. But this is different. She can't have been the wife of but one man. And, and uh, it, we'll see as we go on a little bit deeper meaning about this particular portion. Uh, verse 10 says, She has to be well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. Now, now I know some, everybody said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to be disqualified because I had never washed anybody's feet. We're talking about here, Paul is talking about here living a godly life, taking care of people, being hospitable to people when the needs were there, taking people in if they needed a place to stay and, and, and not to move in and live and start mooching off you, but to take people in and to help them until they're able to move on. And we put people in a hotel room. Uh, some have even invited people into their homes uh, for a short period of time. And, and, and that's, that's exactly what we're talking about because, listen, uh, a woman can't invite somebody into her home. That has to be a husband. This is talking about when she was married. She's got to be reported of as already being one of good works, uh, uh, bringing up children, if she's lodged strangers, if she's washed their saints' feet, the saints' feet, been faithful in the church. Faithful in the church. Not gets faithful in the church after the husband dies. And it's not that if that happens, the church can't somehow bless her, but they're not obligated to take care of her for the rest of her life in some way, form, or fashion uh, with provision if she's not a widow indeed. And that's why this is so important because widows indeed, God, He expects His people to take care of them. That's why these requirements are here because God doesn't require His church, His people, to take care of everybody that comes along and claim to be a widow. Now, I'm not being ugly, I'm just being biblical. 
So in verse 10, I mean, I'm sorry, in verse 11, and a lot could be said about verse 10, but uh, we're not going to get into the depth of that. You can on your own if you'd like to. Verse 11, but the younger widows refuse. You get that. The younger widows refuse, and really the meaning of that, refuse to enroll them in the list of widows indeed in the church. Refuse to enroll them. And who are the younger widows? Those under 60. He's already told us that. Those under 60 refuse to enroll them in the list of those who are considered widows indeed. And he tells you why. Because when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. Now think about that. They, they will marry again. And if they ever marry again, that disqualifies them from their vow, their pledge of being a widow, in, if they, a widow indeed. If they ever marry again, and most likely they will, Paul goes on to say that, and it even encourages them to marry again, have children. We'll see that in the Scriptures because if they ever uh, uh, move away from that pledge and that vow uh, that they chose to walk in to expect the church legitimately to take care of them because they are a widow, truly a widow indeed, and if they ever marry again, that eliminates them for the rest of their life from ever being a widow indeed again. We just saw that in the Scriptures. So it's a very important thing that a woman can choose uh, if she's over 60, uh, 60 or over, uh, to be uh, taken care of and to function, but she can't just live out there doing whatever she wants to and expect the church to pay for her living. She's got to be an act, very active player in the body of Christ, a part of the body of Christ that is functioning, not just through she telling them uh, what she's doing so she can keep getting provision. No, she's got to be an active, very active part of the church. Very active. Church is not required just to start paying somebody's bills out there and pay it and take care of them for the rest of their life. Matter of fact, the church is not even obligated to keep taking care of her in the way that she was living when she was married to a husband. The church is required to give them provision, but what if the church desires to give them provision? The church can't pay for that $2,000 a month house she was living in while her husband was alive. Come on now, somebody. Now she's going to have to move into a place that's very humble for the church to be able to take care of them. Somebody said, Amen, Brother Curtis. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they, they, they begin to start looking at the, at the opportunity. They, they see a man, oh, that'd make a good husband. And, and they're coming against their pledge that they vowed before God to be a widow indeed. They've accepted that role, that honor from a local church, that provision uh, to step into that role as a widow indeed. And then... Uh, Let's read to verse 11, then we'll go into verse 12. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. Uh, having damnation, that means condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And that means their first oath, their first promise of this vow, this pledge as a widow indeed. So that is a vow. That is a pledge they make that, I, I, you know. And, these, and listen, these, aren't, these are women who are under 60, uh, and that's just what God chose. And, and, and uh, they have been known for their godliness, but when the husband is no longer here, there's, there's a great opportunity there, according to the flesh. If, if, if we, uh, you know, that if you're younger, there's a tendency there to want to get remarried. It's just, I mean, it's God's will that people be married uh, unless they've made this vow, this pledge, and, and uh, uh, b before God to... to 
caused the church to be obligated to take care of them. And having damnation, condemnation, because they've cast off their first faith, that this pledge, and again, that word means promise, promised uh, uh, to the church as a widow to keep functioning in her godly roles that she has been for so long. Uh, but he says... Uh, and with all, verse 13, they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, which means gossips and busybodies speaking things which they ought not to. Now, now, if you're not working and the church is providing for you, Paul is saying here, you've stepped into this role as a widow indeed. You, you, the church is obligated. You've obligated them. You've come to them for this help, and rightly so. But your husband's gone, and you've lived a life as a prayer warrior. You've been, you've been faithful to the people of God uh, all these years. You've, you've prayed. You're known as a person of prayer and a person who's believing God. But the, but, the, but the tendencies there according to the flesh are easy uh, to start uh, going from house to... I'm just reading you what God told Paul to give the church. I'm not making this up. The opportunity, the temptation is there to, 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 to start being idle. Uh, and God, uh, God knows that. He spoke this through Paul the Apostle. No matter how faithful you've been to God in the past and, and you, you legitimately met the requirements to, to be uh, uh, honored as a widow indeed by the church, the tendency is still there according to the flesh in 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 now your idleness because you don't have a husband to take care of you you're not taking care of a family anymore you're idle and you can you God says there's tendency there the temptation there's to begin to wander from house to house and not only be idle but tattlers gossips also busybodies speaking things which they ought not to the tendency's there and he he realizes that even though you've been faithful and known as all these great things as a woman of God a, a wife uh, faithful to a man and you've 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 had all these these uh, blessings these uh, manifestations of your faith that are legitimate the tendency the temptation is always there if you're not married and you're under a certain age to begin to go out and look again and search again and, and get involved in things you shouldn't be involved in. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and I always throw that in because if you're getting mad at me, you're getting mad at the one who wrote the book uh, and his name's Jesus. <coughs> he says in verse 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry. Get married. Bear children. Guide the house. Think about that. Manage the house. Give none occasion, no opportunity to the adversary <coughs> to be able to speak reproachfully against you. Here's We're talking about blameless here now. Unrebukable. Christians, this is not just this particularly topic of being, un, uh, being blameless and, and uh, 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 not giving the enemy an, an occasion to speak uh, reproachfully against us. That's for all Christians. We shouldn't give the occasion for anybody. Anybody in the body of Christ shouldn't give anybody on the planet the opportunity, the occasion to speak uh, negative things about us because we're not walking according to God's Word. Now, they're going to do it anyway when we're walking according to God's Word, but we should live lives above reproach. I didn't say we were sinlessly perfect, but we shouldn't give occasion for anybody to bring a rebuke against us, uh, uh, some reproach they see that's obvious in our lives because we're not living according to the Word of God. Amen. He says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house again, but don't give occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. He's talking about widows lost their husband. They... These younger women they, 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 that weren't qualified and, they, and, and some have gone the way of the devil back into the world and proven why they're not allowed to be brought in on the list, on the roll as a widow indeed. Here, here's Paul's telling, look, this is why. Because the, the younger they are, and the, the, the age God put on it is under 60. 
And I know some women think when they're in their 50s where they're just, I'm just an old hag. No, you ain't. In the eyes of God, if you're under 60, you're still, man, you can still get married again. I guess you might still have kids again. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, but this is why he says for some, he's talking about those that are younger, under this age, have already turned aside after Satan. That means they've gone back and they're living according as the world. Gossips, busybodies, they've already turned back. Now there's a lot of that in the church today that's looked at as normal. But it's not normal and it's outside the will of God and let me just be real plain, it's sinful. It's, listen, it's after Satan. It means you're being led by his ways. And that's who we're, that's who we're, that's who we're going after when we're living according to the flesh anyway. It's not just the flesh we live in. There's always doctrines of devils and seducing spirits behind every time we get in the flesh. It's not just us in the flesh. There's other principalities and powers at work there when we are in the flesh. This is where we'll have to uh, take off uh, next week. Uh, uh, let me read one more verse so we can get past this. Verse 16, If any man or woman that, believe, that believes have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. They must be widows indeed. We read the requirements that come from God through Paul in the Word. We have it. We don't have to be confused. And listen, we don't have to worry about people who are going to talk ugly about us because we're not uh, honoring them with provision when we say, according to God's Word, you're just not a widow. You are a widow, but you're not a widow indeed that the church becomes obligated to honor with provision. You got that? I hope it's been a blessing to you. And I know it has if you have ears to hear the truth, for that's what the Spirit is saying. We love you. Uh, don't forget to sow into good ground. You can do that at 903-231-5950 or the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Share these teaching sessions with everybody you know. We love you. We'll see you uh, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And until then... Stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.